What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up and coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. If that sits well with you, sit back, grab a beverage, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast. I am your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. What's up, y'all? So, on today's episode, everybody's favorite fighter was recently back and fighting in the heavyweight division, normally fighting as a light heavyweight. And the topic came back up, him jumping up to heavyweight. And of course, all the conversations started back, both the GOAT conversations and the pound-for-pound conversations. Of course, we're talking about John Jones. Once again, everybody's favorite fighter. (laughs) Of course, I say that tongue-in-cheek. You know, a lot of people really don't like John Jones, but... uh, uh, he's definitely has always been one of my favorite all-time fighters. But he's definitely he came, a polarizing figure. Yes, uh, he came back. Was it last weekend? Weekend before? One of those weekends? And who knows how far it'll be out by the time this comes out? But uh, he beat Surreal Gone for the heavyweight title, and the next fight, I believe, they're trying to book it already is uh, him versus Stipe. And so now, again, that brought upon the conversation, you know, the whole GOAT conversation. So I'm going to run down some of John Jones' GOAT numbers. But before I do that, Locke, I want to pass it over to you for anything that, you know, you want to throw in there before I run these down. Uh, No, I think this will be one. This won't be covering Mighty Mouse or one of those episodes where we just take turns fucking excitedly pop propping them up uh i'm not a huge john jones fan but i'm at least unbiased enough to still respect the greatness so uh, so we have one john jones hater on the call (laughs) (laughs) okay so as far as just numbers and i'm not going into like all the awards and accolades like i do when we do like a a fallen goat or like a um you know, a gloves and roses. These are just numbers that I feel like are numbers that people would look at when they're comparing, contrasting who's the GOAT, right? So first we'll start off with his record. He's 27, one and one. Um, The one loss for those that don't know, it was a disqualification against Matt Hamill really early in his UFC career, a fight that he was absolutely dominating and he landed, you know, one of the elbows as a downward strike while he had Matt Hamill on the ground. And then the the no contest, that was a win where he ended up testing for those, uh, you know. That was the Picogram fight, right? Yeah the, yeah, the Pico, yep. Yeah, I forget what they call them, Metabolites. I think that's the name, but yeah. So, you know, this is, other than literally having a perfect record, this is about as perfect age as you can get. In the UFC itself, he's 21-1-1. One one. Now, he is uh, he was the youngest UFC champion, 23 years old. He has the most title fights in UFC history at 15. He has the most title fight wins in the UFC at 15. He's a two-division champion. He has the longest light heavyweight championship reign which was 1,501 days. He has the longest light heavyweight win streak at 13 fights. Uh, Now, of course, once again, those streaks are broken up by that disqualification and that no contest, or it would be quite a bit longer than that. He's tied number one for most successful title defense in UFC history at number 11. 
that ties with DJ Demetrius Johnson. He has the longest unbeaten streak period in UFC history um, at 19. Now, in this unbeaten streak, it only counts losses, right? And this is important to know. So that that no contest doesn't hurt him is just not counted as a win. But because it's not a loss, the streak goes through there. Um, and he has the most wins in light heavyweight history. Um, now, there is another stat that I have that I'm going to hold off on in case we end up talking about this other person. But when I looked at those stats, and in my opinion, there's only four people that can be in the GOAT conversation. Uh, it, it, now, let me back up. If we're extending it to fighters that never made it to the UFC, there are other people that can, you know, be in that conversation. But for the most part, I stuck with UFC fighters just to, because we have a better compare and contrast, in my opinion. So we have John Jones, we have Anderson Silva, we have GSP, we have Demetrius Johnson, and then there's a fifth honorable mention who I do not put in this category at all, but I have them, I'm going to mention them only because other people do, and that is Khabib Nurmega Madoff. So... That said, when I looked at the stats for everybody else, there's only one other fighter that I even see come close to those stats. But before I dive into any of that, I wanted to know what your thoughts were on those stats and then roll into anything that you want to say as far as, you know, his GOAT status. That's definitely an impressive list of stats. It's really hard to not to deny. And it's it's a real bummer that because, you know, I am a fan of legacy and greatness and that kind of thing. So think what you want to John Jones. It's it's just uh, so many of those records are unattainable if it's not for a terrible disqualification and then the no contest. You know, his, his reign of dominance was unparalleled. But I think I don't know. You can't really list it as one of the statistics, but it's more of a uh, opinion, I guess. But I feel like there's one more thing that kind of contributes to his GOAT status that I would consider a stat because it's my opinion. But What you got? I think he possibly had the greatest year in MMA history. In 2011, yeah. he beat Ryan Bader, Shogun Hula, mm -hmm. Rampage Jackson, and Leota Machida, mm -hmm. all in 2011. Yeah. And... I mean, I'm shooting from the hip. I'm sure there's a couple other guys that have a pretty impressive one. But to have four fights, three of them at the championship level with that caliber of competition, even if they all weren't necessarily at their prime, which is still even debatable. But that's an impressive year. And uh, I think that really contributes to the GOAT status, especially at the age when he pulled that off. Yeah, no, I would agree. And even the fight that wasn't a championship fight, that was a eliminator against a very dangerous um, fighter that was also undefeated, you know. Um, and Ryan, Ryan Bader, Bader, who now went on to be a two-division champ in, Correct. in Bellator. Yep, So absolutely. another great fighter on his own. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. And yeah, I, I literally would have to dig to find a better streak, particularly to your point, at the age he was and the level of competition in that outside of Ryan Bader, every one of those guys were were either, um, you know, it was all current or former champions, you know, mm -hmm. um, at that at that level. And, and uh, quote you know, unquote, even, like legends of the sport. Correct. Correct. I, I completely agree. But I'll let you continue. Well, yeah, the the one thing I did want to point out, and I know, like I said, you could probably dig and find one, but it's not even, it's a literal calendar year, not even like a 360 day, you know, 365 day stretch, a calendar year. It's just really crazy. Um, but the last thing I wanted to hit on was uh, out of your list. I knew that we had nailed the same top four, Jones, GSP, Anderson, and DJ. I feel like that's undebatable. I didn't have Khabib on my list at all as a possible fifth. Who did you have as that uh, as that fifth? Or the other you, literally, you didn't have one. 
Oh, uh, uh, Fedor. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying I don't have Fedor on my top five goat list. Possibly top 10. I don't know. It, we, we covered this before. When you start breaking it down, he starts to slide up a little bit higher than I think sometimes. But I don't have him on my goat list. I just thought that that would be one that some people would bring up in the conversation. No, I totally agree. And um, if I really was looking broad, I would have had him there also. Um, you know, Fader, of course, just not having fought the, who I feel like were the best of the best heavyweights. And once he started, even the ones that he pulled off as wins, he didn't look impressive, you know, like the Erlowski fight and, you know, some of those. So um, I, w- I would say but- to you and to any of the listeners that agree with you to go re-listen to the Fedor Fallen Goat and uh, I beg to disagree. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I like Fedor, and I definitely think he's up there. And to the point of what you said, I would actually have him higher than could be. And that's why at the beginning, and this isn't something I told you prehand, but at the beginning, that's why I mentioned I pretty much stuck to the UFC. And the biggest reason was for the mass majority of people, especially some of the newer age people, they don't know a Fedor, right? But they do know a Khabib and they try and put him in that list, even number one, right? And that's one of the reasons why I throw that out there. Uh, But yeah, I don't disagree with you in that. And, um, you know, once again, I was a Fedor fan. I was disappointed when things couldn't happen to bring him to the UFC because, you know, that's just where you really want to, I don't know. That's just where you really want to see people. And yeah, I get it early on. The UFC didn't have the best heavyweights, but by the time they did, Fedor still has some juice in him. And a lot of those guys that he fought over in, uh, what was it? I forget where he's at now. Was it uh Bellator? Was it then he, he was at Strike Force. He was at Strike Force is what I was thinking about. Yeah, Strike Force is the one where he fought a lot of the heavyweights that came over to the UFC, right? Um, but, you know, so, you know, and then, of course, some of those, as we talked about, some of those, um, you know, fights, you really just don't, you know, you don't know or how they're going to, you don't know how those individuals or who they're going to become, you know, who knew DC was going to be as good as DC was, right? Uh, two-division champion, you know, owned pretty much everybody in the UFC. Who knew that, <laughs> you know? So I would agree. Um, anything else before I touch on another part? Nope. Good to go. I'm down to talk about John okay. Jones as little as you want to. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody that should ever want to send Locke a gift, Definitely send him all John Jones gifts and memorabilia. He would really appreciate it. I'm wearing a Conor McGregor shirt right now. Don't fuck with me. I'll, I'll be rocking John, John Jones shit with figurines behind me. My mom didn't raise no dummy. I mean, so I'll take the gear. Don't get me wrong. Right. Oh, man. Well, I See did me at the gym with down. a fucking John Jones shirt. They'll be like, oh, you're a big fan? Like, no. Man, literally not no. at all. Not at all. I didn't want to run down the stats for um, the other people that I had in that conversation, but the first person I actually want to talk about is mainly because I want to eliminate them from the conversation. And that is Khabib. Okay. I don't know why people have Khabib in this conversation. I've said it before. I just don't think his body of work is great enough at a high level to put him in that conversation. So Khabib's record is 29 and 0, but most of those fights over half were fought against, you know, nobody's over in Russia. In the UFC, he went 13 and 0. Okay. Now, in that 13 and 0, he's tied for number one in the lightweight division with title defenses at three. Okay. Now, as I mentioned, 
other people on that list, you know, you got, you got, uh, what is it? Okay. Title defenses or title wins. John Jones got 15. Anderson got 11. Uh, GSP got 14. No, I'm sorry. GSP got 12 and, um, DJ got 11. He's not even in the ballpark at three. He's nowhere close to them, right? And one of the things I thought would be interesting would be to say, because this is one of the things that people don't understand, 13 fights into your UFC career, you're just starting. Where were the other people on the list 13 fights into their UFC career? John Jones was 12-1 and with the one disqualification, and he already had five title defenses. So if he stops right there, he's still better than can be. Okay. Anderson Silva was 13 and 0 with nine title defenses and two, two wins at light heavyweight. So he even went up and fought twice against other competition and won there and still had nine title defenses, 13 fights, 13 and 0 in that period of time. Khabib's not in the ballpark. GSP was 11 and 2, and he actually had, um, I'm sorry, you know No, I take that back. I got these mixed up. <laughs> yeah, GSP was 11 and 2, but he had, he actually only had two title wins. And what messed him up was as soon as he won that title from Matt Hughes, he lost it to Matt Serra with that spinning back fist, and he didn't get an immediate rematch. He had a few more fights in between, which he won all of them Remember before he could fight Remember when we used to Matt not Serra automatically again. give everybody an automatic rematch? Yeah. That was cool. It was it was a whole nother thing. That was a different time, right? And DJ was 11-1-1, and he had five title defenses. So out of that, the only stat or number that's even comparable would be GSP, 13 fights in. And once again, I'm saying that because I want to eliminate Khabib from this conversation. If you are in favor of that, Khabib won't come up anymore and we can move on to the other candidates. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that for a couple of reasons. For one, like you said, uh, GSP the only one is close, but then he goes on to rattle off like however many straight title defenses or whatever. Yep. And, you know, we talked about 13 fights. His UFC run is 13 fights. Mm-hmm. That's over eight years. So he averaged yeah. uh, one and a half fights a year, which mm-hmm. that is just not the, that's just not the kind of frequency we need. You know, when we're talking about yep. John Jones having a title eliminator and then three title fights in one calendar year, you know, right. but I did want to mention this because I looked it up as you were talking. Mm-hmm. I gave John Jones the the best MMA year ever in 2011 with those four fights. Mm-hmm. Khabib in 2011 was seven and oh, I seven dudes that don't even have a Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you rest my case for me. Okay, so let's let's take him out of that conversation. But now I am interested in, you know, your thoughts. And if you end up wanting me to run down anybody else's, you know, stats in the same way that I did John Jones's, just let me know. But uh, with the other candidates, Anderson Silva, GSP, DJ, do you think John Jones in particular, coming back, looking impressive, getting the heavyweight title, does that make him the official GOAT now? Or do you still say, yeah, I don't know? I think he has to be. And the reason I say that is a lot of what I always held against him, he's got two things that I think both are kind of checked off. Is is one... um, you know, a lot of the cheater accusations. So he's popped a hot a couple times or whatever, but you know, 
a lot of times we count against them the cocaine one or whatever. That technically doesn't count because that's, you know what I mean? That's not a performance enhancing drug. It's Cocaine is a hell of a drug, man. Right. <laughs> I, I will say this. For anybody that doesn't know, you have to be doing a lot of coke to fail like, a drug test for coke because you all you have to do is quit for like a couple days and you will pass. So I don't know what the hell John Jones had going on. So that was pretty Why rough. would you quit for a couple of days, though? Like, right. That's, I mean, when you could just long. go... Right, when you can go beat Daniel Cormier's ass off a bender, apparently. Um, But there's that, but then you look at the other options. You know, you got Anderson Silva. He's had a couple steroid issues. Now, I know he broke his leg and this and that, but he's had a couple. Uh, GSP never had the steroids, but, you know, he had Grease Gate. He's got the controversial Johnny Hendricks fight. He's got the cherry picking a one-eyed bisping fight so there's some skeptic you know i think all these things kind of eliminate all of that and i think when you do that you look at anderson silva who by the way is probably my favorite out of that list either anderson or dj probably slides down because he did still have the losses at the end of the career and quite a bit so where i think in his snapshot of time where he was at his best, he's possibly the greatest to ever do it. I think when you look at career overall, that huge slide at the end kind of puts him down a little bit. And then if you're looking at John and GSP, uh, GSP still got knocked out, and John just never had that. Even his loss is he beat that guy's ass so bad that they said, "Mm, we can't count that as a win. That's, (laughs) That's mean, John, stop. And yeah. and I think that has to put him up there. And for me, kind of the seal on it. And and I'm not saying this makes sense, but it's still my policy. When I start looking at GOAT status and pound for pound and all that crap, and I know we're doing GOAT right now, I factor in desire to, you know, move up or down and stuff like that. And that was something that I always held against him was he stayed at that lightweight heavyweight division where Anderson Silva was willing to jump up and down and you had GSP that was, he was willing to jump up a time, but it still counts. If you're looking at the record. Um, and now John Jones, it's like when a quarter, a quarterback went in a ring, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, honestly, in the quarterback goat conversation, you got to have at least two. If you don't have two, don't even talk to me. But I think, (laughs) I think in the MMA goat conversation, you at least have have to have have excelled in multiple weight classes for me. No, I think you made some interesting points. I'll tell you why the whole quote unquote steroid thing means nothing to me. And it's because like with everything else, people cherry pick what they want to condemn based on who they like and don't like. So those same people that would hate John Jones and say, well, he used steroids or whatever, love, love people like Chell Sonnen, who is never not on drugs. Love people like, I've seen people, uh, you know, what's his name? Brock Lesnar, right? They loved Brock Lesnar. Yet everybody knows he was on drugs. And some people even, you know, um, uh, what's his name? The, um, the Mark Hunt that was, you know, suing the UFC. And part of it was them letting people fight when they know they had failed drug tests and whatnot. Those same people are out there arguing, saying Mark Hunt was just a crybaby because he got beat. And these were guys, I mean, we're talking about guys that were juicing, juicing, Right. Now, John Jones also fought all through the TRT era with a lot of guys on TRT with elevated testosterone, including Chell Sonnen, including Vitor Belfort, and a lot of those guys. So that point means nothing to me because people will only use that in situations where they already don't like the person or don't want the person there. Um, so that that's number one. And what he was kind of like how we talk about Nick Diaz, how much bullshit it was him getting that, you know, popping for weed or whatever. Right. 
And the level that was in his system is now legal because they realized it was bullshit. Well, it's the same with John Jones. The picograms or whatever, the metabolites that was left behind in his system is now legal because they know that's not necessarily indicative of you using something performance enhancing at a time that would enhance for X fight. Literally, it could have been something you did five years ago and the picos keep reoccurring in your system because it doesn't go away. Right. They called it pulsating, right? Pulsating. Yeah, exactly. Picograms due to metabolites from a tampered Cialis something. I don't know, but this is what we do know. It's now legal. Right. So my, my point is. To say that, oh, he's not even in the conversation. I saw a list somebody put out, and literally John Jones wasn't in their top 10. And I said, like, what what are you, like, what type of drugs are you on that John Jones doesn't fall in your top? If you give all, everybody as much drugs as they want, John Jones still beats 99% of them. Well, look, at, at some point, you can become such a hater that now you've hurt your own credibility. You know what I mean? Like now you're just making yourself look dumb. Yeah, I I would agree. And I think a lot of people fall into that category, but um, to your point of, you know, GSP, I've always been GSP is my love hate relationship. And mainly it was because, um, and I almost want to say it wasn't his fault. Right. And this is what I mean by that. I think he was really, really smart about his career. But I'm one of those people that think when you cherry pick your career, it's very hard for me to put you up there with the GOAT status because I still have that old school mentality. If you are the champ, you have to be willing to fight any and everybody that comes up. You're the champ. That's what it is. Right. And for you to really be able to go out there and cherry pick a lot of stuff, I'm not too happy with that. And then to your point, you have Breezegate, you have the situation with, you know, where in my opinion, the Johnny Hendricks fight wasn't even close, let alone for it to go to GSP. So, you know, that really should have been a loss there, in my opinion, and it wasn't. But that's not GSP's fault. Right. And, you know, I've said that before. At the end of the day, he went out there and fought. And if the judges gave it to him, they gave it to him. The thing that I absolutely blame him for is the Bisbee. <laughs> you know, you don't train with a guy that, you know, has one eye and everything like that. And you train with him and whatnot. And you wait precisely till he become a champion. And your only goal is to go and beat him and retire again. Like, just <laughs> listen. GSP is secretly a super villain. That's my <laughs> opinion. That's my opinion on that one. Um, go ahead. And and new GSP with hair proves it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I follow his uh, Twitter and stuff. Man, he's still in phenomenal shape, though. Man, it's crazy how much he stays. Oh, in he, shape. he's for sure in phenomenal shape. I mean, I think he could still win fights at a high level. I don't know. I don't want to get Absolutely. ahead of myself by saying he could. You know, I don't know what he could do, but he'd definitely fight at the the top level with some of these guys. I agree. I, I'll tell I, you I, what. I do I, prefer my GSP with no hair, though. I'll make a bold statement. I don't know that I would want to see him back at 170 because a lot of 170 has just gotten so big since he was there. But especially the size that he's walking around at right now, I think he could come back at 55. And absolutely be the champ and blow everybody away at fifty five. Definitely. Without a doubt. See, I thought I thought you were talking about the other way, and I was thinking, well, if Bobby Whitaker could do it, then uh I mean he could still have a shot up no, there. Listen, no, not with that giant that's up there now. <laughs> no. He he was no part of no part of I don't Pereira. know that I don't know that Pierre is ever gonna make one eighty five again, to be honest. I think that was just like a sacrifice. <laughs> A sacrifice to the universe to fucking well, well, hey. get one more fucking ass whooping out of fucking style bender. 
Well, I mean, the, the fights are already scheduled. The rematch, I think it's like two UFCs away or something. It's not that far away, which I think is a bad idea, but I'm not even going to go down that. I think it's a bad move for Izzy. But I do want to touch on the other two people. Silva, as you mentioned, I think the thing that hurt Silva more than anything else was just that mentality. And I want to say it's a really big old school Brazilian mentality. Every single one of those guys, old school guys like him, Vanderlei, the Nogueira brothers, you know, so many of those guys, they really, when you talk about going out on the shield, they will get knocked out 27 times in a row. And then you say, you want to fight tomorrow? And they'll say yes. And I think the ending of Anderson Silva's career and him going out there and, you know, like how we talked about with BJ Penn, fighting, you know, the, the hot up-and-coming guys, you know. You just can't do that that late in your career, especially, you know, coming off of the injuries and things you had. He fought. It's not like he, he got, you know, layup fights at the end of his career. He got Uriah Hall. He got Kananir. He got Adesanya. He got Brunson. He got Daniel Cormier. That's literally in the last five of his, of his fights, like recently. And mm-hmm. we're talking about a guy that, you know, he first won the title back in 2006. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you just don't do that. And I think that hurt his legacy more than anything because you erase that whole last half. You know, you bring him back and he loses to Chris Wyman again and retires we still have a different conversation, I think, in most people's eyes about Anderson Silva. And personally, he's my favorite, so I'm biased if I have him number one at the GOAT. But either way, I have him in my top three. Well, and then what's tough for me on that one, because I'm a big Silva fan also, is, look, you you got the first Wyman loss. That's on him. You know, it is. Uh, the second one, the the leg injury, even if you say it's a freak injury, uh, Ray Luongo would tell you that they did that on purpose. Even if we give him those two, Chris Weidman just has his number. The Nick Diaz fight is a win, gets overturned. That's a knock on your record. The Michael Bisping fight at one point, he was celebrating on the cage, had won. Bisping got saved by the bell. If that mm-hmm. one gets stopped, you know what I mean? You could be looking at, yeah, you lost those Weidman fights, but now you're you win two fights and you're right back in the hunt. Daniel Cormier mm-hmm. on short notice was a bad idea. It's a bad idea. I actually think DC took it easy on him in, in that fight. Yeah, until the, like Anderson Silva <laughs> at one point kicked him in the liver real hard, and Daniel Cormier was like, "Fuck that!" All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think you make a good point, and the only issue is, and this is one of those things where, you know, it's. It's difficult when you're already an older fighter. He had a nice-sized career before coming to the UFC, right? It's not like he was a guy with four fights, three fights, whatever, right? Um, And you have that leg break. You take two years off. You come back. Okay, the Nick Diaz fight, as as you mentioned, okay, disqualification. But he didn't look his best in that fight. Then you go to the Michael Bisping, even if that's a win, you can tell he doesn't quite have it anymore. When Michael Bisbing drops Anderson Silva with a punch, Silva doesn't have it anymore. No, it wasn't a KO, but he dropped him with a punch. That would have never happened, you know, early Anderson Silva. And at that point in time, you know, even if I give you to that, let's say after that fight, he retires. He never takes on the the Comier, Brunson, even though Brunson was a win, Adesanya, Kananir, like all of those fights just should not have happened in my opinion. And now we're talking about a really different career. We're talking about he's um, 34 and 11, 34, 11 and one. We would be talking about if we take off Uriah Hall, Kananir, Adesanya and Cormier, just talk, take off those four, right? That's he's now 34 and seven, right? That's, that's a different that's a whole different career 
Now, when I add on that body of work, which I'll just run down, right? So uh, he's number one for title wins in the middleweight division. He's number one for the longest title reign in UFC history, period, with 2,457 days. He's number one with finishes in middleweight at 11. And I believe he's number three in finishes overall. I think uh, Derek Lewis is number one. He unified the UFC and Pride middleweight titles. Number one in win streaks in the UFC at 16. So the longest win streak period. Once again, he had that streak and still has other wins. And Khabib never even got to that. But I said we're not talking about Khabib anymore. Um, uh, Number one tied for most KO wins in middleweight history. Number two for consecutive title defenses in UFC history at 10. Number one for finishes in title fights in the UFC at nine. Number one for total fight bonuses in the UFC middleweight division at number 12. And a stat I completely made up. This is a DC stat. I would say he's one or two for the most dynamic finishes in UFC history. And there's only three fights that I really would put up there that's just you just like, what? That's the DJ, you know, toss to the uh, arm bar. That's the, you know, second. Well, actually, the second Showtime kick wasn't a wasn't a finish, right? I don't think it was a finish. I'll take that back. And then Anderson's uh, front kick to the face. You know, so when you look at that, he's still number one in a lot of categories. Um you know, in the UFC and, of course, in middleweight division. And we've just seen one of the most spectacular middleweights of all time have a streak, and he still couldn't touch Silva's numbers. Right? Can, uh, if we're taking the Showtime kick out, even though I'd put it under the arm bar, the elevated arm bar and the front kick, I think the Showtime Superman punch could possibly... Well, up there. The only reason why I took it out is only because I don't, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a finish. finish. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, when, um, when he knocked out Wonder Boy, that was a finish. Yeah, and that was, that was yeah, it was. Cool. That was, and not to mention, that wasn't a fight I gave Pettis a chance of winning. I, I didn't I even know why Wonder he did Boy, that. Yeah, exactly. I was like, why would he take that fight? Wonder Boy is too big, his style, and he proved me wrong. He, he knew something I didn't know, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, you know what he knew? He knows how that? good at karate he is. And other yeah. people don't play karate with him. That's he true. knew Wonder Boy would for That's sure true. play karate. And uh, That's true. He knew yeah. something we didn't, how good yeah, he really was at that game. We don't see it as much. And, you know, he's always trained under... Um, uh, what's, what's his name? The the uh, you know the brothers. Uh, shoot, I forget his trainer name. Uh, but he's always trained under them, and you know they're karate guys from you know way back. He he trains under the lead, the lesser of the two brothers. That not the one that's most decorated, but the other one. But as we know, a lot of times with stuff like Fair that, Rufus, the Duke person. Rufus? Yep, 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 yep. The one that's the most decorated isn't always the best trainer. You know what right. I mean? But but yeah, so he's been training that since forever. And to your point, you know, you just don't see it a lot, you know. But uh, other than that, the uh, um, you know, the, if we're talking about the most whistle clean person of all, going back to the point, if if people really want to put it down, no BS controversy, anything like that. DJ has to be number one on everybody's book. DJ stats. Now I'm going to put his, his one, uh, some of his one stats in it when I'm talking about the, his actual uh, record. So overall he's 24, four and one, his UFC slash one record is 19, three and one. He's a two division champ. He's number one tied for the most successful title defenses in UFC history at 11. And that that was the tie with uh, with uh, with John Jones, number one for consecutive wins at flyweight thirteen. He's number three tied for the longest UFC win streak at thirteen. 
Uh, number one flyweight uh, title fights at 12. Number three for most wins in title fights at 12. Number one for consecutive title defenses in flyweight history at 11. Number one for consecutive title defenses in UFC history, period, at 11. Um, uh, Anderson was number two at, at 10. Uh, number one for successful title defenses um, in uh, the UFC flyweight history. So he has a nice amount of stats himself. And to put on top of that, you know, um, what he's doing right now, even though I disagree with it over in one at that higher weight class. And I do think that one's 125 and 135 weight class could absolutely rival. And I think in a lot of cases beat the UFCs. So if we're looking for the squeaky clean person, no picograms, no cocaine, no grease, he ain't fighting one-eyed dudes. He's fighting much bigger fighters, you know. Then at that point, DJ has to be number one. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that, especially, I mean, I think he won that Cejudo fight. Um, So so there's yes. that. I, I definitely like DJ in that spot. Um, I think it's... It's tough because I just explained why I'm going to let all the fucking one-eyed people and all the picograms go. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Molly Wap me with, no, no, now today, all of a sudden we're going squeaky clean. But yeah, uh, Mighty Mouse is, it's so funny that he can't be marketed or whatever because he is like a Captain America milk drinking, you know what I mean? all shucks good guy and uh yeah you can't get much squeakier clean than demetrius johnson yeah and for the record i don't have dj at number one no um, i get what you're saying you're saying yeah. if we're taking all no controversy no steroids no right yeah. and in particular that's more for the people no, no that... greasy backs exactly in particular that's more for the people that don't like John Jones or the people that wants to put a Khabib up ahead or whatever, you know, or, you know, whoever else they, that's their flavor of the day. None of them has better stats than DJ or as squeaky clean. It's, it's not even close, you know, but that said, if we go back to just period, what is your list in order? You can even add a fifth if you want, and I know you mentioned Fedor out there. You can add whoever you want, but who's your top five in order goats? Top five? Yeah, unless you want to go for more than five. No, uh, I was going to go four. Uh, after talking, no, you it, can out, go four. Ta- you can talking go four. it out today, I'm going to go five anyways. Uh, so I, I'm going to put John Jones. You're not going to like it, by the way. I'm just going to lead off with that. You're not going to like it. <laughs> I'm going to love this list. <laughs> so in order, I'm going John Jones, GSP, DJ, Anderson, Fedor. Yeah, that's the all-time worst list in history. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I only have Fedor there because I wasn't prepared for five, and I didn't want to try and come up with somebody since I already have Fedor written no. down. I just slid him into five. No, I, I like, I don't, you know, the thing about it with that top four, and once again, I, I, I may be biased. For me, GSP is number four. And the top three will probably con- continue to change in order, depending on when you talk to me on what day and what subject. And because I think it's that hard, it's it's just not clear. Even like when I run down the stats of everything, I mean, those three gentlemen own every number one UFC record. GSP has number one welterweight records. The only meaningful um, record that I saw that he has, that he's number one at in the UFC is he has the most takedowns in UFC history at 90, right? But every 
other record, quote unquote, that he has is only for the welterweight division. Um, so, you know, you factor that in and, you know, something that we talked about before, factor in things like level of competition, other champions they for just the whole thing. I still think he's spectacular. I think he's great. I think he had more left in the tank. I really think he was had some things mentally he couldn't overcome. And I believe him when he said he didn't want to fight the dudes on the steroids. You know, and we know a lot of those dudes, especially in that wrestling heavy 170, a lot of those dudes were on roids. And so mm-hmm. I believe him, you know. Um, but that said, his stats, in my opinion, just doesn't compare to the other three. And you factor that in with he wasn't a big finisher. There's so many other things in themselves are not one thing. But when you roll it all together, I have to put him at that number four slot. And the top three. Uh, can I say something on that? The yep, one thing absolutely. I want to say is uh, when it comes to the finishing thing, I tend to agree. But my only problem is if I hold the not being a finisher against GSP, and then I also hold it against John Jones, and then they both slide under Anderson. So I still think, like, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I think John Jones still had a nice amount more finishes than GSP. While I'm speaking, yeah, you can look up the numbers, but... um it's not, and this, I'll go back to what I was saying. It's not that. It's me looking at all these individual things, right? And then looking at it as a total. So in itself, no, I don't think you have to finish, especially when you're as dominant as GSP. But is, is it a factor? Absolutely, right? I don't think that you have to be number one in a bunch of categories, especially when you're as dominant as GSP. But is it a factor? Absolutely. For you not to hold any, what I would call significant number one record in the UFC, not one of them, and me to call you the GOAT. You know what I mean? So it's not any one thing. It's when I look at all of it and I say, eh, you know. Uh, But that said, it's very, very difficult for me to pull Anderson Silva from the number one slot. And the only reason why he drops to number two for me is only because of that end of the career slide. And it's one of the reasons why I wish he had just retired. And, you know, of course, as we know, he still wants to fight, right? Um, So I have to put John Jones at number one, especially going up to heavyweight and win that title. Although Anderson did go up to light heavy, he never won a title at light heavy. So I put uh, John Jones number one, Silva number two, I put DJ at the third slot, and then I put GSP at the fourth slot. And I agree with what you at Fedor at number five. I really would have to think about another number five if it's not Fedor, um, because I really think Fedor in his prime was that good. The problem is we just don't – it's so much easier to compare when you have everybody in the same bucket, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, in the same organization or whatever. When you're fighting outside of that – especially with a lot of the Russian fighters because early on their record is so basically padded with, you know, these Russian fights that, you know, for lack of better terms, a lot of them are just like the old Japanese fights. You know, the mob tell you to drop this fight, you're going to drop this fight. You know what I mean? So that's my knock on Fedor. So I think one thing I like about Fedor there, and I was kind of thinking of this as you were talking, is, because I knew we had kind of went back over it and broke it down when we covered the fallen goat Fedor. But I think what, what it was we came to, it wasn't on his goat status. It was, I think when we really talked it out, we kind of had him at possibly number one all time at the uh, heavyweight because Stipe and Daniel Cormier were kind of knocking each other out, you know, which kind of slid him up to that, you know, and it's hard not to count. If we got him there, it's hard not to put a a heavyweight on that list. Um, But like I said, if I was to do some research, I could probably come up with another five. But you want to hear something pretty surprising? John Jones and GSP in their title Mm -hmm. runs. I'm not I'm not counting Mm -hmm. like non-title fights or whatever. 
uh, in their title runs, they're tied at eight apiece for decisions. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'll take that. Uh, you know, I wasn't looking at specifically title runs. I was looking at overall, but yeah, I can believe that in their title runs. I can, I can believe that um, because a lot of, you know, uh, especially John Jones had a really, you know, crazy streak going into his title run. Even that, you know, those four fights that we talked about, if I'm not mistaken, all four of those were finishes in 2011. Right. Um, and the end of that, basically was, you know, or no, it was Bader, then the title fight, and then two other finishes, and, and then I think the next one was uh, Rashad, and that was, uh you know, that kind of broke the little streak he had of finishes right, right. there. If we, if we open it up to non-title fights, uh then GSP takes it at 12, 12 to 10. GSP, uh, Are you serious? John's got 10, GSP's got 12. I would have never thought that. Yeah, I stand corrected on that one. Man. I would yeah, have John Jones fought uh, Stefan Bonner and Andre Guzmao both to a decision. Yeah, I didn't. I just don't remember GSP being a finisher early on. So he um, used to finish. Um, it was when he got knocked out uh, by Matt Sarah. Because remember, he used to have kind of a karate style. So he used to go in there looking to fight. And uh, once he got knocked out by Matt Sarah, he started to clamp it down a little bit more. Yeah. I see what... I see... I only see... Okay, I see a submission in there. That's what it is. Sub, sub there, sub. Okay, yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, you know, but as I mentioned for that, it's uh, it's each individual thing that becomes cumulative. You know what I mean? Um, so that in itself doesn't take GSP out of the picture. It's it's a factor. You know right. what I mean? Um, but yeah, but one last thing, unless you want to touch on anything else, I wanted to touch on one thing really quick in, in general. But if, did you want to touch on anything else as far as the GOAT status? Uh, no, not on the GOAT status. Okay. Last thing I actually wanted to touch on was the current pound-for-pound pitcher. So, of course, there was a lot of controversy around that. And, um, you know, they even asked John Jones, like, hey, who should be pound-for-pound number one before he fought it? He was like, well, you know, pound-for-pound is based on, you know, current. It's not based on history. It's based on current fighters. And I haven't fought in a while, so I really can't be on that list. And I forget who he said should be number one. But John Jones coming back and getting that win, does he jump back to number one pound for pound? Or not in particular with, uh, you know, we talked about before, you know, sometimes heavyweights are almost exempt from pound for pound, right? But when you were so dominant at late, light heavy and then what you did at heavyweight, should you be on that list? Should you be number one? Yeah, I think we definitely slide him up to uh, number one because active is active. I'm not going to count how long. And he wants to be back fully active. I mean, he's looking for a fight. That him and Stipe were just arguing on Twitter today, looking to fight in July. So if he's back and he's active, I think you just slide, slide him back up there. Now, I think if Volkanovski beat Islam, he's still at number one with a bullet even over John Jones with the, you know, with the heavyweight win. But I think with Volk losing, I think that gives me John Jones, and I'm not going to put Islam in that top slot. And nothing against Islam. It's kind of like the Khabib thing. I just need to see more before I'm just going to, you know, hand that over. So me personally, I'm looking at the UFC's pound for pound. They got one, two, and three is Jones, Volk, and Islam. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I, I liked Kamaru up there. You know, until that's always a bummer when you're winning, like you win four straight rounds and you get clipped <laughs> and, uh, you know, an epic run comes to an end. But uh, I'm pretty satisfied with how they have it. Yeah, it happens to happens to everybody eventually. But yeah, yeah, I think that um, I still don't have Islam at number three. I just, you know, following. So. Islam really impressed me his last 
two fights before this, you know, before this this fight with um, Volkanovski. And I wasn't an Islam fan at all, and it impressed me those last two fights. But this is the one of the reasons why longevity always means something to me. You really got to see a person over a nice amount of body of work fighting top competition after top competition after top competition before you can put them, in my opinion, at either pound for pound or GOAT status, right? And unfortunately, what a lot of, um, you know, these guys, similar to the way uh, Khabib had did it, you kind of, you fight some tough guys and then you fight the top. But when, when you get to the top, you only fight a you know a handful of guys kind of at the top. And then all of a sudden everybody wants to throw you into this really, you know, high level status. And in my opinion, Islam lost that fight to Volkanovski. I think Volkanovski won. I like that the UFC kept Volkanovski ranked over um Islam because I think pound for pound. He's better, but I would actually drop. Um, I don't know that I would have Leon Edwards over Usman because I think you can lose to you can lose to a fighter that's not the better fighter. I think we'll know who the better fighter is in the second fight, right? So to your point, you know, you got he got clipped, and it it wasn't even like um, it wasn't even like the Izzy fight. The Izzy fight, there were quite a few glimpses, you know, back and forth. And, you know, Izzy, you know, despite what he says, he got saved by the referee for having a very, very, very bad ending to the night, despite what he argues, right? The Usman fight, he was dominating the whole fight and literally got clipped. I don't think that that shows that the other person is a better fighter particularly when they were taking abuse the whole night. So how I would see it, I would love to see Usman at number three. I can see Islam maybe at number four, um, you know, but I just don't see anything in his skill level that if I take that exact same package and put it at another weight class, that it's really that dominant. You know what I mean? So, you know, he may even fall further down my list. And I think, um, you know, somebody like uh, uh, um, Adesanya, or even we haven't seen a lot from Pereira, I need to see more from him. But what he's displaying as far as a skill set is dangerous at multiple weight classes. You know what I mean? You, you take what he has and put in a smaller package, that's still very dangerous. Now, the reason why a person like Pereira doesn't move too far up the list, one, I need to see more from him. And then two, if I put a scaled down Pereira at 170, can he win against all those 170 wrestlers? No, he's I don't know Till. that he can. What was that? He's Darren Till at 170. Yeah, I don't know that he can. So that's why he doesn't move you know, too far up the list. So my list is John Jones, Volkanovski, Usman. I want to say Izzy, you know, I, I, we, I can teeter with Izzy or, Izzy or Islam. And then Leon Edwards falls below that. And then, you know, down that list, man, there's a couple other people. But I'll just leave it there not to go even further into the controversy. I think it's crazy based on what you, you know, hearing what you said when you look at the UFC's rankings that they'll move Leon above Camaro, but not move Pierre above Izzy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you don't, point. you don't even have consistency within your own rankings. I agree because Pereira, Pereira was way more dominant in his fight with Izzy than Leon was in his fight with Usman. Right. So, if you move one above, the other one should move above also, or you keep both of them below, you know, or I could even see. And the opposite Camaro way. still has a win over Edwards 
Izzy don't yeah. have a win over Piera. Exactly. And I can even see it the other way. I could see Pereira moving up over Izzy, but Leon not moving up over Usman, once right. again, based on how the fights actually went. Right. I could I see can that. See... Yeah, I could mm-hmm. see that too. I just think it's crazy after hearing you say it, and I agree with what you're saying, and I'm looking at it like, okay, so they agree with what you're saying when it comes to Izzy and Piera, but, mm-hmm. but not fucking when it comes to Usman. Doesn't make sense. Dana. Doesn't make sense. Dana really doesn't like some certain champions, man. Dana, listen, Dana go Dana. <laughs> but I do agree with what you said about uh, Volkanovski also. I think that um, if Volk would have won that fight, it would have been really hard not to put him up there at, keep him up there at number one. Because um, then the inactivity becomes an issue. Yeah. Well, then, too, I think he, you know, part of pound for pound is, you know, if I take this skill set and everything and put it anywhere, well, when a person actually moves up and they're fighting a bigger person, you can't get more pound for pound than that. Now, John Jones moved up, but, you know, for the most part, him and him and uh, uh, Gon, they're about the same size. Islamic and and uh, Volkanovski are not the same size. You know, he definitely moved up to fight a bigger man. So, you know, that's my two cents on that. Any last words or anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? Uh, nope. Yeah, so just so everybody know, run down that uh, that GOAT list again, your your top five. Uh, mine was John Jones, GSP, DJ, Anderson, and then Fedor. And just so you know, DC's the better list. <laughs> the better list is John Jones, uh, Anderson Silva, DJ, GSP, and I'll put Fedor at that last slot also. No more words? It's a wrap? No, that's it. Um, yeah, I think... Oh yeah, the one thing I did want to say, um, because we originally start brought this up talking about John Jones. I don't want to take up too long because I know we're going over here, but uh, you you know a lot of times you you always ask uh, the fight that we missed or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's just a couple of fights I want to talk about since we started with John Jones, uh, and it, it would never be the same now, anyways. Even if we did it, but John Jones versus Brock would have been really fun to watch. Yeah, I, I hate that fight. I'm not going to second that one. <laughs> and uh, a fight, if I could have pulled them both out and and had them fight at any time. Mm-hmm. And I think John Jones would win, but I just think it would have been fun to watch because I think they're two of the hewest, two of the highest IQ fighters that happen to be around the same weight clashes, classes. But I think John Jones versus Randy Couture on his prime could have been interesting only because they're both i think they both came up with game plans and fought pretty smart and i know john jones out physicals randy couture in a lot of ways but i think randy couture was an excellent game planner but john jones is a high fight iq and and you know adjusts on the fly so i just think that could have been a interesting chess match of a fight that i think john jones probably wins but I would like to see how it goes down. And I'm not talking about Randy at the end. I mean, like, prime Randy yeah, at whatever his best period about. is. Yeah. Um. So, the Brock fight, I just hate all around. Uh, but the Randy fight is interesting. The problem is I don't know that it would be competitive. I think John Jones would win. And the reason being is simply, if nothing else, because of the oblique kick. And Randy... The way that he moves his feet and keeps his legs, and the way that he stays in almost like that, um, like that uh, army boxing style, you know, mm-hmm. because it was good for him to, you know, for people that don't know, a lot of his wrestling was more, and it's a lost art. Somebody should bring it back, but it was a lot more on the cage, you know, getting in with that really close, tight boxing getting you up against the cage and then beating you up on the cage. If he takes you down, cool. If he doesn't, cool, because he's not going to let you go from the cage. 
he's going to beat you up. I think it would have been really hard for him to get in because I think Greg Jackson and them game plan would have been to kick his knee, you know, out of the arena and not let him in. And I think John Jones would have used his length and through oblique kicks and teeth kicks to the mid. That, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and teeth kicks uh, to the midsection. And I just think it would have been hard for Randy to get in. And if Randy can't get in, it's just not a good fight. You know, now if he can solve that puzzle, I agree with you. It's a very interesting fight, but I don't know that he could solve that puzzle. To say, Randy's been in there with Chuck a couple times. He knows his way around the eye poke. <laughs> He's not a scared. He's not afraid. <laughs> Definitely. All right, everybody. Well, I want to thank you, of course, for listening to us. Thank you for joining another Fat Boy MMA podcast. Come again. That wraps up another great Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at topic at fatboymma.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>